on the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. This is the Roll Tidecast, the official podcast of Alabama athletics. Here's Roger Hoover. We have something a little different for this edition of the Roll Tidecast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Usually, we hear from a variety of people associated with Alabama athletics on any number of topics spanning several segments. This episode has just one segment, featuring two guests, longtime Crimson Tide Sports Network broadcasters Chris Stewart and Brian Passink. The two call the action for Alabama men's basketball and have seen a lot of basketball together over their 17-plus years. Over the past two years, though, Chris, who is also part of the Alabama football and baseball broadcast teams, went through a series of health challenges that put his career, and even his life, in jeopardy. That is why we were all beyond excited when Chris returned to the mic on January 4th for the first time in nearly a full calendar year as the Tide took on the Gators in Gainesville. So please listen in as Chris and Brian talk about their different paths to Alabama and careers in broadcasting, plus the journey that Chris has had over the past two years that included overcoming a stroke, bypass surgery, and a life-threatening infection that forced a three-month hospital stay to return to the career he started prepping for back in kindergarten. Welcome to another edition of the Roll Tide cast. Chris Stewart, joined by my broadcast partner for, we're always trying to figure this out, 17 years now, Brian Passink, former guard for the Crimson Tide, and now now the guy that guards the play-by-play guy. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit, but um, good to see you. We're, as we're doing this, we're, we're getting ready for an Alabama basketball game, as you might expect, but a, a chance to visit on the Roll Tide cast with, with Bama fans, which frankly, Bama fans are what makes being a part of Alabama as special as it is. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, both of us have been a part of this uh, program in different capacities for a long time. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of fun together. It is certainly great to be back together and uh, just to be able to catch up over, you know, a lot of different topics. Obviously, a lot of people are interested in uh, in all that, that you've been through, and we'll get into that. But, you uh, well, you've been you've been a part of Alabama athletics for a long time now, and uh, I have too. I guess we're getting yeah. we're getting old, but uh, you know, I think you know a lot of the, especially the newer fans, um, don't know the the background um, that 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 you've had that uh, has brought you to Tuscaloosa. And you know, while many people know you as the the host of the Nick Saban Show, the voice of Alabama basketball and baseball, um, you know, a big part of the Alabama football broadcast. You know, that's not where it all started for you in Tuscaloosa. You've done a lot of things. I think the listeners would enjoy knowing uh, a little bit more about how you got here. Well, the, the funny thing is, two years ago, I had a member of the Crimson Chaos come up to me and tell me, he said, I've been a big fan of yours. I've been listening to you my whole life. And at first I was offended. Then I realized, well, heck, he's probably telling <laughs> the truth because it's been it's been more than 20 years now. I guess that I that I've been involved. The first thing for me, I had done. I'm, I've been really fortunate in my career. These dominoes fell, where most people that wind up in a position like the one I'm in have to move and change locations, change residence three, four times or more. From the time I graduated at Montevallo and moved back to Birmingham, um, I've never had to to move. I had a a writing job for uh, Over the Mountain Journal, 
became their sports editor, started doing uh, high school football stuff for AC and sports, and I'm, I'm covering this, uh, doing Birmingham Southern basketball on radio, started in 95, and stayed with them. But then it was uh, late 90s, I guess 90, maybe 97, 98, somewhere in there, AC and sports got the rights to do Alabama athletic events. In fact, I think about it now, it may have been 99, but I was working for Don, a guy named Don Early, who'd always been great to me, um, and they got the rights to do Alabama, uh, Auburn, UAB on a tape delay basis. And it was a local cable access channel before you had streaming channels and you know, the schools awarded these rights almost like an afterthought. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Just just make it as minimal hassle for us as possible because they their plates were already full, not realizing how big this thing would become and tape delay broadcast would be such a major part of the programming schedule. So started doing that, and, and uh, David Crane and I knew of each other but didn't really know each other. We got thrown together of all things, me doing color on the football with him doing the play-by-play. And then I would do men's basketball and baseball play-by-play on this. And three years later, or maybe a year later, I'm, I'm David's broadcast partner on the radio coverage for Bama baseball. And three years after that, I get the basketball play-by-play job. And by then, I'd, I'd done basketball since I was a college freshman at Montevallo. Um, but again, I was just so fortunate these dominoes fell as they did. And I went from having no affiliation with Alabama other than being a fan my whole life to winding up as, well, and you know the story. You've heard, unfortunately, I had to hear me tell it many times, but I'll tell it for this audience. The very first game I did for Alabama basketball, uh, preseason number eight Alabama versus preseason number three Oklahoma. November 2002, um, game two of a doubleheader that featured Jim Beheim, Syracuse, um, John Calipari, Memphis. Syracuse had a freshman that was making his debut that night, and I've told people ever since that Carmelo Anthony and I debuted at the Garden <laughs> on the same Two night. legends. Yes, absolutely. But I walked in, and Dave Wilotion, who'd been doing play-by-play for Memphis 15, 16 years by that time, but I had known from my days working with UAB and, and back then Conference USA, I guess, Dave didn't know I got in the job because I didn't get the job until September. I think it was announced September, early October, and here we are mid-November. And Dave sees me walk in on press row and – He's about to go on air for their game. It was before ours. And he does a triple take, seeing me walk in, suit, tie, you know, bag on my shoulder. And he takes his head. I see him hit the, the, the off button on his mic, take his headset off, and goes, Chris, what the heck are you doing here? And I, my line back to him was, Dave, I'm the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and I am as stunned by that <laughs> fact as you are. So uh, just – that was that was literally where it started on the basketball side of things. And you you had a pretty good color analyst that night. 
didn't you? I had a really good one. It was Tom Roberts. You may be thinking of the next year. Okay. Yeah, the ne- that year what? it was Tom. Okay. And and Tom was our color guy for that year. The next year, uh, you came on as the, the sideline guy. But I know the one you're talking about. The next year, we're back at the Garden again. Yeah. And we're playing Pittsburgh. And it's the Friday. It's a Friday night game before um, football was playing at LSU on a Saturday. So Tom Stipe couldn't travel as our mm-hmm. engineer. And Tom Roberts, who was on the football broadcast, couldn't travel. So we brought in some rookie uh, that, that had a little bit of a understanding of the game named C.M. Newton. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there thinking, it can't get any better than your first game at Madison Square Garden. And one year later, yeah, you're at Madison Square Garden doing Alabama basketball with a, a Hall of Famer. And uh, that was, that was you know, anytime you go to New York, it's it's special. Yeah. There's there's something about it in the garden, obviously, for people that love basketball or sports or anything. It's it's hallowed ground. But my first two games to call it at MSG are my very first as the Alabama announcer, and then one working alongside CM Newton, who by the way, got after the officials beyond what Tom Roberts could ever dream of. And Tom was legendary for getting after the refs. If nothing else, just the flapping of the arms, waving them at him <laughs> on a bad call. But but CM was giving them fits on air, and of course he knew all of them. Right. So he's calling them out by name, and that's uh, that was awesome. So when did you know that you wanted to do this? When when I was in the hospital, one of my my oldest friend, a guy named John Vines, Auburn fan, lifelong Auburn fan, who we've had that battle. For again, since kindergarten, he said, "I remember you in our kindergarten class." I totally forgotten this. He said, "I remember in kindergarten." He said, "They're they're giving us blocks and stuff to build and make with it." He goes, "You grab a a round block, piece of wood." He goes, "We're all building houses and cars and trains." He said, "You grab this one round stick." And it's your microphone. And you're doing play-by-play of the stuff that we're building. <laughs> he said, so you doing what you're doing now doesn't surprise me. He goes, but that's how long. And I, and I do remember that age or even younger probably pretending that I was Howard Cosell, except I was so young, I called him Coward Cosell because I, <laughs> I didn't know exactly what his name was. So, you know... I don't know if it was the premonition that I would never be a good enough athlete to actually play at a high level, but wanted to be a brought, wanted to be a sportscaster. That that is that's an awesome story, and uh, you know I think people that are great at what they do, um, not not always, but oftentimes you hear that uh, maybe they're a little different. I don't yeah, know that there were I'm many still different many people uh, running around the parking or around the. Uh, the, the kindergarten uh, that year, wanting to, to knowing what they wanted to do uh, when they grew up, and, uh, and well, if it, they did, they had higher aspirations <laughs> than I did. So, what about for you? Because you came here, I came here as a broadcaster. You came here as a student athlete. You and a lot, most people don't know this, but because the group you played with and all, but you were probably one of the highest rated recruits that Alabama had at that time in the 90s because you were a top 50 
player coming out of Savannah, the mean streets the, of, right. of Savannah, Georgia. Well, th- thank goodness, uh, you know, some people would overrate you because I'm not sure without that, uh, Wimp Sanderson would have offered me a scholarship. It only so, takes one, man. Hey, I, 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 I took it and I was happy to do it. Um, no, it's it's amazing to think back in those times when in the early '90s, which uh, some of the, the the older listeners and those that know the, the history of Alabama basketball appreciate this, but uh, there was no better basketball program in the Southeastern Conference at the time than Alabama. Uh, with what Wimp Sanderson has done, uh, did here the Plaid Palace, the championships, the Sweet Sixteens. Uh, the players uh, at that time, I think Alabama was second to North Carolina in terms of NBA players, and uh, grew up in Georgia um, and was a Georgia football fan for a while. Now um, there's nobody I'd rather beat than the Georgia Bulldogs on the football field and uh, in the basketball court as well. I uh, got a lot of friends there, and that makes uh, that even more fun when we sure. beat the dogs. But uh, you know, Wimp offered me a scholarship and and uh boy I, I couldn't say yes quick enough and to be a part of, of the top program in the country or in the sec at that time was really special and uh you know and uh, playing career didn't go exactly how i would have uh, wanted it to but again i was as you mentioned i was playing with and behind a lot of great players and legends of the program but it was a incredible experience and uh, fortunate for that uh, you know the, the funny thing is and and gosh my friends that I grew up with and family you know they, they they're still I think shocked that I'm on the radio with you um, for now 17 18 years whatever it is because not that anybody ever wanted to interview me when I was a player but the few times they did I, I did not want to be a part of it I would get nervous I didn't like being on the radio on TV uh, I didn't I just get real uncomfortable with it, and now here I am uh, sitting with you uh, doing this and loving every second of it. Uh, so this is, you know, you you knew what you wanted to do as a kindergartner, if not before, and uh, as a, gosh, 22-year-old, 23-year-old senior, I was running from the media, not wanting to, to, to be on the air. So uh, it's crazy how things worked out, but this is... It's been a blast being a part of it for this long, so that, that's for sure. Well, so it's, it's my career. It's a really fun hobby for you, and I don't say that to demean what you do in any way, but, but you've got the day job. Let people know what it yeah, is you do. Yeah, I'm in medical sales, and, uh, it, you know, it's, that, that is, um, you know. That my, allows you that, to do that, the broadcasting. <laughs> I've got some flexibility as long as I get my job done. And, right. and this time of year, it is incredibly busy. Uh, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's so much fun. Um, don't get as much sleep as I do during the off season with the travel for both. Um, but it's it's been such a, a blessing to be able to do this for so many reasons. And one is I always thought I'd coach. Um, you know, anybody that knows me knows that there's not a whole lot um, I know about other than basketball. <laughs> so I always thought I'd coach and, and be a part of the game. Uh, my dad was a coach and as a player, uh, so hyper-focused on that. Uh, but to be able to stay close to it has been really special for me. So it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and being around it, and my brother was a high school coach, football and, and, and wrestling and a little bit of baseball as well, but, or a good bit of baseball actually. But it that's part of the job that I've – I've always been appreciative. I've always loved sports. Mm-hmm. Played it, you know, 
all the way through even was a uh, a walk on at an AIA school for for golf, but just to have the chance to be involved with it, yeah, is is special. And I guess I've probably got more of an appreciation for that now than I ever have had. Well, let's talk about that because you have uh, you missed some time. A little you know, bit. You missed a little time. A um, season. <laughs> you've uh, you know if if you don't know. Chris's story, people that don't know, um, have, have obviously been under a rock. But I, I would, I think it'd be great for you to share more of the details. I know we've talked about it on the air, and uh, a lot of people know your story and what you've been through really over the last couple of years uh, with your with some of the health um, things that you've gone through. Um, so, you know, take us back to a couple of years ago and yeah. um, what you went through and, and, you know, walk us through where you are today. Yeah, I don't know. We've only got about nine minutes left on this. But the the last game I called in College Station, Texas for baseball was almost the last game I called. Uh, we got back from a weekend series there in um, April 2018. Um, it was a – thank goodness it was a Thursday – happened to be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday – series because the Friday game was televised and got home on Saturday night late went to a family birthday party on Sunday felt fine went to bed about midnight uh, woke up the next day in Brookwood Hospital I'd had a stroke in my sleep which hardly ever occurs Um, my wife thankfully recognized that that's what it was Uh, got me to the hospital Uh, they still weren't sure because of the circumstances, they still really weren't sure what was going on. I got sent to one hospital. They finally were able to diagnose, oh, he's got a blood clot, he's had a stroke, um, but we don't do that procedure here. So they got me to Brookwood, and uh, my new best friend, Dr. Jatendra Sharma, um, was able to remove the clot. Crazy thing, I remember waking up on the table when the the clot was removed, and I and I asked him not then when I first met him, but two weeks later in a follow-up visit. I said I felt like I'd when you came in my room to to check on me. I felt like I'd seen you before. I said I know this is crazy, but I felt like I I saw you in the operating room. He goes, yeah. He goes, when we pull the clot out, you wake up, you look right at me, and then we put you under and we go ahead and put the <laughs> stent in. Wow. But yeah, it's. Anyway, that's that's one of many sidebar stories that are crazy of what I've encountered. But incredibly blessed. I uh, had some vision issues that within a year had completely cleared up. Now I was they got better by the time we started uh, basketball se- football season, but then basketball, I didn't miss any games for for 2018, 2019 because I was able to see well enough. But the, the issue was completely gone by March of 2019. Yeah, and, you know, going back to that time and, and talking, you know, to you, the family, and, and even some of the um, medical staff, that was, I mean, incredibly serious to the point of the fact that you were able to not only survive, but come back and do your job at such a high level is almost a miracle. Yeah, I I think it was um, because Dr. Sharma told me, I asked him, I said, what, what's the percentage that survive? 
I said, I'm not asking about where I am, but, but surviving. He said, oh, surviving in the time frame it was from when you probably had the stroke until you had the clot removed. He said, it's easily, he goes, and I'm being conservative, less than 2% wow. that survive, let alone function at the level I was able to. Uh, that was a piece of cake, though. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, now I've got a history of in my family of of uh, bypass or heart issues. My my mother back in 1977 had bypass surgery um, at the age of 45. John Kirkland, who the Kirkland Clinic is named mm-hmm. for, performed that surgery. And then 10 years later, when I was a senior in high school, she had the same procedure again. Successful surgery. Uh, leaving the OR elevator to go down to cardiac intensive care, she basically dies on the elevator coming down. Wow. So uh, when I was told that I had to have bypass surgery, I had 90, only had blockage in, this is, I'll go quickly, but Dr. Sharma saved my life a second time. He has a, another business he's involved with, and I went to the grand opening to support him. He said, you look great. I dropped 15 pounds intentionally. Um, he said, you look great. How do you how do you feel? I said, I feel really good, except for, for one little thing. He goes, what is it? I said, I'm, I'm feeling some tightness or tingling in my left arm every now and then. He goes, where? And I showed him. He goes, that's your heart. we got to get you in. So the next day, his nurse practitioner called, told me to expect a call from cardiovascular associates. They call me. We literally spent 30 minutes on the phone trying to find an opening on one of the doctor's schedule, got me in, got me a uh, uh, test run, and found that there was, you know, that there was blockage. Uh, intended to do a stent, got me on the table to do the stent. The doc says, this is, this is more than a stent. Uh, this is, you need more than a stent. Mm-hmm. You gotta have bypass surgery. Take me off the table. Put me back in a room, uh, bring in a surgeon, Russ Ronson, who's a big Bama fan, by the way, thank God. And uh, he uh, explains what they're going to have to do. And two days later, I'm back in. Surgery's done. Surgery, huge success. Did everything that I needed. Uh, but a week later, I, a week later, I developed an infection which we didn't know until after the fact. You know this, and I know we're, we're getting close on time, but um, David Crane, who had worked with, mm-hmm. you know, eight, nine years on baseball and, and football and other broadcasts, came by to visit me at my house. This is, again, a Wednesday after I'd been released on a Friday. David walks out of the door of my house. Uh, it was the third visitor I'd had that day. He walks out of the house, and I have no memory. I have no recollection for the next month. I was home for a week, mm-hmm. uh, would have conversations with my family, um, but I didn't feel well. Wife takes me back to the doctor. They examine me, say, you know, do this, and then bring him back. I'm in the car to go home, and I look at my wife and say, she tells me that I looked at her and said, I am not leaving this hospital. She goes, okay. So she pulls off to the side, calls the doctor back. Uh, he said, bring him in. We'll get him a room. And so I checked back into Brookwood Hospital, started to have basically every organ shut down on me, um, put me in a coma for two weeks, and I, it was the start of a 91-day stay 
where I got out the day before Thanksgiving, and it's never been more meaningful. That Thanksgiving was never more meaningful than then. So a month without a memory of, of all that yeah. you went through, um, first memory and then walk me through how difficult it was for you physically but also emotionally because you were yeah. in, in well you saw me at my worst incredibly tough tough place yeah you saw me at my worst and we've got a we've got about two minutes left on this edition of the roll tide cast but um i'm not just saying this because you're here one of my very first memories is saturday and you came up to watch college football with me. We had our own tailgate party, basically. And um, I'm not even sure which game. But South Carolina? I think it was. It was South Carolina. Because yeah. I don't remember the Duke game. Um, but South Carolina. And uh, you were there. Um, had a couple of family members that may have been around. It wasn't a big group. But the, the tailgate party started to grow as the, the season wore on. But... Um, and just so you know, the game before that, we were there. I was there with Steve, and we watched the game. But man, <laughs> you don't remember it because yeah. you were I was out. You were out. Yeah. Um, My brother, but Steve. Uh, we the family and I had a good time. Yeah, so, you're uh, probably yeah. But we all throwing spitballs at me. Well, just just a few. Just small. You know, we wanted we wanted to make sure you were comfortable. It was. Uh, <laughs> It was that type of thing that kept me going because it was very tough. I spent two months and a week at Brookwood Baptist, and then the final three weeks of my hospitalization was spent at Spain Rehab. And um, phenomenal care both places. People were so good to me and kind to me, but it was a grind. It was tough. Uh, heard from so many people, and this is where we'll, we'll end it. It's a chance for me to, to thank um so many people that I have never met in my life, Brian. I told you how much I appreciated you, and you were there um, literally as much as anybody to look, you know, just to just to hang out with me so I didn't feel any more lonely and, and alone than I did uh, during that three-month stay. But I heard from so many people that I had never met and never will meet. And I... I would say easily about 90% of those messages that I got ended with Roll Tide. And so this is how we'll wrap things up on this edition of the Roll Tide cast. For Brian Passink, uh, I'm Chris Stewart. Thanks for tuning in and Roll Tide. What an incredible story. We're all so thankful that Chris is back healthy and once again on the call along with Brian for the Crimson Tide. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Roll Tidecast. We thank you for spending some time with us and we also hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review and let us know things you would like to hear in future podcast episodes. And now, we leave you with this Crimson Tide moment from Alabama head coach Nick Saban. But I want everybody here to know, this is not the end. This is the beginning. This has been the Roll Tidecast, the official podcast of Alabama Athletics. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Crimson Tide Sports Network.